Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we are so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Hey, David Thomas. Hey, Sissy Goff. It has been a year, hasn't it? It has been a year indeed. <laughs> a calendar year, but a school year in particular. All the years. <laughs> a school it's year, felt like 50 a calendar years. year. <laughs> the pandemic year has been a year. It has. And we have talked so much amongst ourselves, but we haven't even really talked on the podcast yet about what we're seeing in kids and the impact it's had. And so Bill's really exciting and timely to get to talk about what we feel like kids need moving into the summer. So, okay, let's start with you, though. What do you feel like you need moving into the summer? You can't say tacos. More tacos? (laughs) Instead of that? This sounds so simple, but I just think I just need sunshine. I need Mm. to be able to be outdoors more easily than has been possible in the last season. I think I'm excited for that. Yes. And we talk so much about what movement does for all of us. So I think I'm really ready for that. What about you? I feel like I need to laugh. I just feel like I have laughed less probably. I mean, I think I've laughed less in the last year. That is one of the hardest sentences I've ever said. Laughed less in the last year. You could try that at home. And obviously because of losing my mom a little over a year ago and then two months later, the pandemic hitting. There are some things that have made me laugh lately more and harder. And I have thought, gosh, I've missed this. So I don't know what I need to be doing to make that happen, but hanging out with Henry watching silly shows, things like that. But I think we all need that. We all probably need both of those things, sunshine and movement and laughter. I feel like good medicine and thinking about kids and how can we incorporate all those things into the lives of kids. So, okay, let's talk about what we feel like kids need. And we want to talk about what you need along the way because that is something that's come up so many times is that we have had more parents in tears in our offices in the last six months than we have collectively in all the years we've been counseling. We sure have. So where would you start? What would you say you feel like kids need? I would say first, I think kids need connection. Mm -hmm. And obviously we have all had less of that real connection than any other time than we've experienced. And I think in the beginning we were together so much. I think back on the stories that we heard from families of we were in our PJs more and baking and taking family walks and doing yoga. And it was almost like an extended Christmas break that despite the fear that was there, we were being really creative in how we were connecting and spending time together. And then as often happens at the end of Christmas break, we've been together too long (laughs) and we've been together a lot. And I think part of the tears we've experienced with parents is just this heaviness that as we've been 
on top of each other and trapped at home more, it's created a lot of opportunity for more conflict and losing our temper and so many things. And so I think real connection that involves play and enjoyment, maybe in some of the ways we experience on the front side, I think kids need that with us, no doubt about it. And I would say, even as we're talking about parents being in tears, it's important to note that sometimes we get to talk with parents who are still able to laugh in a great way too. And I had a hilarious conversation with a mom on a Zoom appointment recently, and we started our appointment, and I was having difficulty hearing her, and so I kept hitting my volume up and still couldn't hear her. And I said, you know what? I'm so sorry. Can I pause you right here? Would you mind checking your volume? I'm having trouble hearing you. And she said, oh, you know what? It's me. I'm whispering. I'm not talking very loud. She said, we're playing hide and go seek at my house, but I haven't announced that it started yet. <laughs> So good. And I love that so much. She was hiding in her closet talking with me and the kids weren't aware where she was. And we just want to say if you're listening and you have needed to do that or if you haven't done that and that sounds like a really great idea right now, we support that. Yes, you need we to do. hide for a few minutes before you can offer the enjoyment and play and connection. That's okay because one of the things we're saying the most the parents, and if you don't hear us say anything else today, hear us say this, is extend grace. Yes. Extend grace to yourself. Extend grace to your kids. We are over the year mark of this pandemic at this point, and it has taken so much mm, from all of us. And so please hear us say that. And then maybe that's your idea for connection. Maybe you just launch a great family game of hide-and-go-seek or tag, <laughs> and that's your point of connection. I would also say within that that I think kids need connection with peers more than ever, too. They've lost a lot of that. And depending on within your community where your kids have been in school or not in school, having extracurricular activities or those can't meet, there just have been a lot of limitations. And even as I make mention of that, kids being in school, it's important still to note they have not had a full experience, even if they're in school. We've had so many conversations. We've talked about this with kids who talk about what it's like to have those arrows on the floors of the hallways mm. and in between classes, you have to walk one direction and walk the other. And that could sound so insignificant, but just that five to 10 minutes in between classes when kids could talk yes, wave and just linger and, and experience connection that's different than just sitting in class next to or behind someone. I think it's just so important to note these are all losses that our kids have experienced in different ways where they've not had opportunities for connection. And how easy it is for us to dismiss them because we don't want them to feel bad or Absolutely. feel sad. I think it's well-intentioned. But sometimes we don't hear them and let them talk about those things. We don't. And just this week, I was with a 16-year-old boy who over the weekend saw on social media that three of his friends had gotten together. And he's aware that his family has to have some different rules around exposure because he has a family member with some health issues that they can't pay enough attention to what's going on, obviously. And his friends are in different circumstances. And we talked about what it was like. And I think for all of our kids who have social media, we know this. They are aware in real time of being left out or not included mm -hmm. in something. And when that stacks up against the lack of connection they've already experienced, it feels heavier than ever. And this young man was feeling that. And we just spent some time brainstorming about where could you connect with friends in a safe way that your parents would feel comfortable with that would create still some opportunity. and so. 
we were brainstorming around some different ways that he could do that safely that his parents might feel comfortable with. And I think that's probably what our kids are needing from us more than ever right now as summer approaches. Based on your family's unique circumstances, how could your kids safely experience connection with where you are in your community with this pandemic as we think about the importance of connection with peers? We talked in an earlier episode this season about the entry points to just enjoying our kids. And I would challenge you to revisit that. What's your best entry point with the current circumstances being what they are with each of your kids and knowing their unique temperament and the things they enjoy that there could still be some times where you're doing nothing more than just connecting around those places and letting play still be a part of our daily rhythm with our kids. What else would you say they need? I love that connection. And I would say the second thing is our coping skills. So connection and coping skills. It has been so fascinating to watch kids in this season because we were pre-pandemic talking about just with anxiety alone, one in four kids we're dealing with that were girls twice as likely. Now we're already at one in three. And those kids who are anxious just in our offices, what we're seeing alone, we're seeing so much anxiety spill over into depression. And, you know, we're all watching statistically the numbers climbing on suicide rates. And we're seeing evidence of that in our office, too. And I was sitting with a group of high school girls last night in a group, and one of the girls told a story, you know, not to demean her story because it's heartbreaking for her, but for as long as I've been counseling, I've sat with girls who someone broke up with them and they feel heartbroken. And she felt heartbroken and was sobbing in our little group. And the girls were so sweet with her. And I felt this urgency. I don't know that I've ever felt with a child who's been broken up with to make sure she was going to be okay over the weekend. Just at this point as a therapist, and I actually in group felt like I needed to say, do we need to be worried about you? Have you had any dark thoughts or thoughts about wanting to hurt yourself? I don't know that I've ever asked that before. But I think in this pocket of time, I just feel more concerned about kids. And so I said to her, I want you to pull out your phone right now. And she did. And I said, I want us to help you brainstorm a list of 15 things you can do when you get really sad. And then another girl sitting right beside me said, can we all do that? And so they all pulled out their phones and made this list of coping skills. Probably in that group, I've been with those girls for years. And I think We have talked about coping skills 500 times, and the fact that they still felt that urgency to pull out their phone and make the list just reminds me we can't be doing that enough right now. And so statistically, obviously, we're concerned. So I want to say the three things we're seeing the most are anxiety, anger, and then sadness bleeding over into depression. So just a few top-of-the-head thoughts on each of those things as you're moving into the summer. So anxiety, you know, you all probably know have heard us say, but again, cannot say enough, are top three things to do if your kids are anxious or you're feeling anxious. So any of us, when we're not anxious, we have blood flowing all throughout our brain. When we get anxious, the blood vessels in our brains constrict and shift blood back to the amygdala, which is the fight-or-flight part of our brain. And so Before we can do anything else, we've got to calm our bodies back down. So breathing, y'all have probably heard us talk about square breathing. Again, we cannot talk about it enough. And kids will often say, breathing doesn't work for me. It's because they started too late. (laughs) They're already, their amygdala is taken over. And we want to help them recognize when it first starts in their body. So putting their hand on their leg, drawing a square, breathing differently with each line of the square and pausing for three seconds in each corner. 
20 seconds of deep breathing resets the amygdala. And the other cool thing about breathing like that is we start off with breathing and then we move to what are called grounding techniques, which are a cognitive behavioral therapy strategy that, you know, if you're anxious, we're kind of free floating off into the atmosphere. We're, not, we're either in the past or the future. We're not in the present. And so grounding techniques are like grabbing somebody by the ankle and pulling them back down. And anything sensory related is grounding. So drawing the square on your leg has the effect of grounding. So that's one of the reasons I like square breathing. David with boys, you call it. Combat breathing. Because it sounds so much cooler for boys. So breathing, then grounding techniques. And from a sensory standpoint, again, my favorite is 54321. So if you are in the car with your child and they're riding to the first big social event they've done in quite some time, because where you are, it's opened up and you can do that. And so they're getting anxious and you start with telling them to breathe. Then tell me five things you see. Tell me four things you hear. Tell me three things you feel. Tell me two things you smell. And tell me one thing you taste. It requires focus. And that's what we want is them to focus back in. And then, like we have talked about before, that whole idea of naming the worry because it reduces its power. So circling back to that and helping them come up with a name. And then they can say back to the worry, you know what? I'm not listening to you. You don't have any power over me. If they're little, they can call the worry stupid. You know, helping them realize that their voice is stronger than the worry. So those are always the top three things. And then I think specifically this summer, regularly, I want you to ask your kids, what's one brave thing you've done recently? Or what's one brave thing you could be doing in the upcoming weeks? Because they need to be practicing brave. Because they have spent the school year in and out of school at different times because of contact tracing and all those things. And My guess is when we move back into next fall and they are back in school fully, hopefully, that they're going to be more anxious than probably any school year they have started maybe in their lifetimes. And so they need to have opportunities to practice those brave muscles along the way. So that's anxiety, anger. David talks a lot in Are My Kids on Track and Wild Things, both about having kids have the space because like we talked about in the consistency episode, often what happens is a child acts out and then we give them consequences when really when we do that, we're regulating them rather than them learning self-regulation. And so we want to give them a warning sign because that gives them an opportunity to grow that self-regulation muscle. It's really kind of older child self-soothing, calm their own anger. And so to have them go to the space in those moments and in your space in your home. It can be in their room. It can be in a corner of the dining room, the playroom, wherever. They have a list of coping strategies there. And our favorites can be things like that bozo bop it. That's not what it's called, but something like that. You know, you can find them on Amazon search bop it. Or they have a feelings chart hung up there. They have a journal. I love those gigantic clipboards and they can write on the clipboards I send so many people home from my office by way of U-Haul where they buy the huge roll of bubble wrap, just whatever coping skills they can find that we in that moment can say, hey, it seems like it'd be a great time to go to the space. And maybe we even reward them when they do that on their own. And then obviously if they can't get control and they're still disrespectful, that's when we talk about consequences. Go back and listen to the consistency episode for more ideas on that. Sissy, Melissa, and I love to link arms with other like-minded friends who are working to strengthen families. That's why we are so thrilled to be partnering with Menno to bring you the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. 
Minnow is a streaming service designed just for kids, but it's so much more than that. Minnow not only provides meaningful screen time, but also shared experiences through devotionals and discussion guides for families to help you grow in life and faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. And then thirdly, the sadness. The anxiety probably in the beginning of the pandemic was my biggest concern. Now it's the sadness and depression. And hearing David's words on connection, I think that's going to ward off so much of that for kids. And going back to our feelings charts, we need to be passing the feelings chart around the dinner table several times a week and making sure that each of your kids are talking about at least three emotions because we have so many kids who hover in the positive ones and they won't say, I felt disappointed, I felt sad, I felt hurt, even angry. And when they're not, those emotions are going to shift somewhere else. And for a long time around here, we have talked about how depression is often anger turned inward. And so for kids who aren't talking about it, it's going to shift into that so much of the time. And so being aware of empathizing with them, that's so important too. It just has been too much. I've had so many kids say, I don't want to live in a time in history any longer. You know, I think it's just been too much for them. It's been too much for us. And being aware as a parent of what's rising up in you and how your desire for them to not feel this, not to have to experience it, again, very well-intentioned thoughts and emotions on your behalf can turn into minimizing their emotions so easily. And that's not what we want for them. And so to ask questions regularly about how are things feeling these days? And again, like we've talked about a million times, asking questions like that are always better side by side than face to face. They're going to shrink away from you often, especially older ones. So going for a walk, shooting hoops, baking, you know, whatever, watching a show and doing it later at night. Kids' vulnerabilities are heightened a lot of times. Their defenses are down and they'll talk more late at night. But asking questions, letting them talk about it. And you all, I think we would want to say really strongly in this window of time, not only to trust your gut as a parent, because I wish I said that every hour of every day in my counseling. I mean, I cannot say that enough right now to parents. Trust your gut. And if you feel concerned, take them to get help. Take them to go see somebody. And don't wait. Soon, take them to see somebody. And if you are at all concerned that your child is making comments like, I don't want to be here anymore. I would like to hurt myself. I mean, something like that. Call the pediatrician. Get them into the hospital. Because... We have, even as therapists, we have all these safety checks we do to see the level of suicide ideation and do we feel like it's time to go to the hospital. And I think as the months have gone on in the pandemic, I have gotten more and more cautious and lean more and more towards, we just don't want to play around with this. So can you talk about something fun? (laughs) I've been awfully serious and heavy for a long time. But it was important. Well... I was listening to you go through some of those coping skills and thinking for anyone listening, you just got a free month of counseling uh, right there. Those are a lot of ideas we'd be well, talking about I'm in the so, beginning of the journey. I'm just so worried. Sure. I mean, sitting here in March, I'm so worried about kids and parents. I know you are too. Absolutely. And the national statistics back up the concern that we're fearing yes. as we look at what's happening and why I think this conversation feels so important and why I would say the third thing that we feel like parents need is stability. And it makes me think a lot about how 
in non-pandemic seasons, we're talking with parents of teenagers about the importance, I call it, of steady the ship. Steady mm, the ship. That's, that's good. You know, the waters are, are about to get more <laughs> tumultuous, and kids need you to steady the ship. And I think that feels true for every kid in this particular time. And we're going to talk in a few minutes about what we can do for ourselves so that we have more of the capacity to steady the ship. But I think, you know, in that season, obviously, of adolescence, kids are experiencing a biological tsunami and intense emotions and relational changes, all these different things that create uncertainty and instability. Those are the two words I would attach to the year we've just walked out, uncertainty and instability, and we're still in it, all these unknowns. And so as we experience those, I think our kids need us to offer that. And one of the things that Sissy and I would do regularly when we sit down with a family for the first appointment, voicing concern about a child having some anxiety is to track through the family history and identify how present is it within your family tree. And we'll confess to you that we do chuckle a bit on the inside when on Mm -hmm. occasion we ask parents, is there any history of anxiety in your family? And they're like, no, we don't have any history. And are presenting in a way that would contradict that message. We could talk about what Enneagram numbers say that because yes, I think we could guess. Absolutely. In fact, I've even laughed as our waiting room has been closed during the pandemic. We've been going outside to greet families. And I can even <laughs> I often tell if you might have anxiety about how you get out of the car sometimes. <laughs> and so <laughs> pay very yes, close attention David. to where you might be dropping crumbs. And I would even say, I'm saying this to myself as I'm saying it to you, your need for control is often an indicator. The high degree of control that a parent might have can sometimes be a cue to my attempts to try and manage a lot of external circumstances, outcomes, expectations, those things. So we can't lean in far enough to that as we're thinking about offering stability, the beginning point being making sure that we're managing our own anxiety and uncertainty. And I would say with that, let's also pay very close attention to what we're saying to our kids and also around our kids about what we're absorbing on the news right now. Obviously, there is still great unrest in our country. And certainly, we believe that it's important that we educate and inform our kids. But I had a conversation with a mom this week about the difference between facts and fear. She was dead set on communicating some facts to her son. And my challenge to her was, I think some of those facts are your fears. And Mm. I don't think he needs that information. And I think you're needing to process that. And that's okay. Talk that out. But I want you to do that with a trusted source. And we brainstormed where she could be having conversations about her fears that she was calling facts so that she wasn't using her son as a place to be able to talk those things through. And so think on that right now. Who are your trusted people? Maybe that's your spouse, a friend, a pastor, a counselor, someplace where you can talk through what you're experiencing when you watch the news, when you absorb what's going on in our world, when you pay attention to what's going on inside of you, as I just said, so that we aren't unloading more of that on our children than is necessary or needed. And again, confusing facts and fears there. I would also say... 
one of the things that I think, you know, we have to look for any upsides with this pandemic. And one of the upsides is that I don't know that I've ever read as much or heard as much about self-care as Mm -hmm. I have in the last six months. And I'm really thankful that conversation is front and center, partly because I think for many of us, we've had to revisit our understanding of what that even means. You know, I even, when I teach on that, sometimes we'll ask parents, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say that? And Often folks will say things like a pedicure or a spa day, and those may be elements of your Mm. self-care, but something about those answers makes it sound extreme or extravagant in some way. And I think it keeps us from thinking about the daily practices of self-care, which are so important. And as I invite you into thinking a little more about that, I would challenge parents to think back to when your kids were infants, if you don't have a baby right now, and that we all know that when a baby cries, that's their way of signaling us that they're either hungry or wet or tired, that they're experiencing some discomfort and sending a signal that allows us as caregivers to meet that need. And when we do, trust is built. Now, here's what happens. As we become adults, we have to learn to communicate our needs to ourselves and take those appropriate actions to meet those needs. And this is how we develop trust and confidence in ourselves or don't. And that's so vital to do because you've heard us say time and time again through this season, we can only offer to kids what we have. We only take kids as far as we've gone ourselves. And so it's so important that that's the beginning place. So I want you to ask yourself two questions on a daily basis. What do I need and what can I do? What do I need and what can I do? And all of that is connected to the wisdom of the oxygen mask. We all know if you haven't been on a plane in a while, they're going to invite us to put our mask on first before we can help the kids we're seated with. You got to start with those questions for yourself before you can meet the needs of your kids. And I want you to even watch for how your feelings try to hijack those needs at times. I don't have time to do that. There aren't enough hours in the day. And I think we assign some meaning to that when we circle around those kind of thoughts like, I'm too low on the list, I'm not worthy, I don't matter, all of those things. And you do. You matter to God, you matter to your children, you matter. And I camp out there in that space because, again, I think so many of the parents that we sit with who, as we sit on the front side, are in tears or are are depleted, aren't able to give to their kids what they want to be able to give to them right now is really because they maybe haven't spent enough time with those two questions, yes. put their oxygen mask on first. So I'd say stability is third. What would I you, you, what would you say is fourth? That's good. Fourth, I think, is hope. I was thinking the other day about the verse about hope deferred makes the heart sick, and it feels like we have lived in a year of hope deferred. And even to be talking about mental illness I mean, obviously, we're living in a pandemic that's real sickness, but I think that's part of the hope deferred makes the heart sick. We are seeing evidence of that. And so to get back to a place of hope, and I think that's part of what David was talking about, about what's spilling over. Kids rebound typically in hope much faster than we do. And the fact that they're not, I do think, has a lot to do with us and where we are emotionally. And so like the oxygen mask, I think we've got to get back to a place of anchoring ourselves to truth so that it can spill over into their lives. And so I think to remember that truth of suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then I love that the next place that verse goes is hope does not disappoint us. And we have all been so disappointed in this season. And 
one of the things that we've talked about in the midst of all of these hard things that are going on in kids' lives is when we were moving into the season and I was working on the Raising Worry Free Girls book, the verse that I kind of anchored that book around was John 16, 33, about in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And as I was writing that, the thing I kept thinking is, I feel like we are watching a generation of kids who've never lived through trouble. Literally, I thought about this all the time and how we would do parenting seminars talking about anxiety. And I would always joke around and say the t-shirts with living my best life and the hashtags best day ever that I felt like we were contributing to it because we were acting like we're not living in a fallen world. And so when kids experienced it, I think they didn't know where to go. And they often felt like something was wrong with them. Well, we have not seen a living my best life t-shirt in quite some time at this point, of course. And we have talked, too, about watching kids walk through this. I mean, I was thinking, even with those girls last night, and watching them respond to their friend who was hurting, they circled around her in the most—it brings tears to my eyes, thinking back about how they walked with her in the midst of that. And I think they have learned to do that. There is so much good that has come out of this season for kids, whereas we felt like kids were less resilient— than they had. I felt like kids had been less resilient than in the almost 30 years I'd been counseling moving into the pandemic. David, would you say that too? I would. So on the backside of this thing, hopefully the backside of this thing, I think the kids today are going to be more resilient than kids we've seen in generations. I think there's so much good that's happening in them right now. And so hopefully that's some hope that you can anchor to as a parent that the two of us who have been counseling kids for all these years think there is good. We are seeing good happen in them, that it has strengthened them in a lot of ways. We're going to get through this season of sickness physically and emotionally. We're going to get through it, and there's going to be so much good. As a result, the fruit of that is going to be good. And I was looking up Isaiah 43, 19, as you were talking, because I was thinking so much about it, and I found it in the message. And it says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. We could call 2020 and some of 2021 badlands easily. But I think that kind of truth, and I was just remembering to a friend who I think every time I went in her house when her kids were growing up, she had a chalkboard with a verse on it, and it was a different verse every time I walked in. And so you all, I think intentionally this summer to do things like that, to be talking about verses that are about hope, that we're reminding kids of hope, that we have verses up, that we're even saying, you know, just like we're talking about emotions around the table and we're talking about coping strategies that we're also saying, okay, tell me one thing that gives you hope right now. We just need to be anchoring to that sense of hope, to be reminding them of how important hope is in this time because it's there. I love that his version said, there it is. (laughs) I I feel like that's true. There it is. It's here in the midst of us where we are right now. Okay, let's talk about some practical things. I love that. My first one is going to be going back to my challenge about trusted sources. My intentional practice for you would be to write down three of your people. Have it right there in front of you. When you are experiencing fear, when you need a perspective check, when you feel like you're walking to the edge of the cliff, who are the three people that you could reach out to that you know are going to speak some truth back to you in a way that you need to hear? I like that. I'm going to throw out two pretty quickly. 
Two is as you're teaching them to have their own coping skills, maybe if you're driving, don't do this now. But when you can pull over or when you get home, pull out your phone and pick 15 for you of things you can do when you're sad or anxious or frustrated, any of the above, because as David says, so often kids learn more from observation than information. So we want to be doing that ourselves. Also, we did a parenting seminar virtually yesterday, and a question that we got that was great was, have parenting styles changed in the pandemic? And y'all, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm glad you're not with me and you can't throw anything with me, but my answer, and David, you said you would say the same. Our answer was that parents have become more micromanaging. There's that need for control. So sorry. Yes. Yes. But we both see it across the board. And and one of the things forever that we have been saying to parents of teenagers specifically is let the bottom 20% go. Pick the things that you feel concerned about and whatever the bottom 20% of your list is, let that part go. And y'all just parenting in general. I think we need to focus more on choosing our battles than we ever have before. Because without realizing it and without intending to, it's easy to battle too much with the kids we love and with our own lives just in general. I think we're all feeling that need for control. Can I throw a bonus one in there? Please, I'd love okay, it. Okay, so we got four intentional practices this Ooh. week. I want to circle back to play. Mm-hmm. I want to end there. I want you to play with your kids. And you're going to be checking the boxes of connection, attunement, enjoyment, so many things. But let's go back to where where and how we were doing more of that on the front side and think about what that could look like right now. That enjoyment piece is going to release all kinds of those feel-good chemicals in your brain as well may involve some movement depending on your child, but make sure play is still a part of the day-to-day, the week-to-week. Yes. And thinking about that and knowing that we have an episode having Amy Grant come and talk a little bit about summer camps, we have a prayer that we pray a lot at Hopetown, especially with the little ones. They learn to memorize it, and we say it back and forth, the boys and girls, and have a lot of fun. Melissa's hilarious. She makes us say it as fast as we can. It becomes this really fun game. And just as thinking about things to hang up in your home, we might even do a little PDF of this so you can have it too. We have written this collectively over the years, and we're at a lake, so there's a little water. There's some water references in it, but you could even shift it some for your own family. But I think it brings together all the things we're talking about and feels hopeful and playful and all of that. So here we go. You can pray it with us now. Good morning, Lord. This is your day. I am your child. Show me the way. We woke up this morning ready to serve. You should be saying this part. We are your men, Lord. Give us the nerve. Lord, we are here to laugh and to play. We are your daughters. Beside you will stay. The day is new like you made us. We're in our boats. In you we trust. We paddle and float amongst the waves. You're here in our boats. In you we praise. Hello, dear God. I feel alive. Let's take on this day side by side. Amen. Amen. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com.
It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.